Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. There's, I'm a worship leader. We're going to do a, a night of worship tonight at 5 o'clock right here with my team. And I would hope that you would come and buy my CDs in triplicate, if you would. But this morning, I want to point out to you in my perspective as a worship leader who is in maybe one or two churches a week all the time, especially in America, that what we just did was maybe the deepest worship that I've experienced in a couple of years. And that's a testimony to God, of course, but understand that this is all I do. So for me right now, it's a testimony to the pastor and his wife, the pastors, excuse me, and the worship team that have figured out a bit of who they are. So why do you think that is? Why does this church have such wonderfully mature and deep worship than the other churches. Of course, you'd always have to go back to how the pastors have established what they do here. Absolutely. But let me take it another step. If it starts with them, let me take it another step. Because the, the, the disconnect that's happening in worship right now in churches is threefold. Number one, we are making sound in his honor and thus his nature requires that he shows up. Because he can't avoid sound made in his honor. And we feel his presence. And then we've decided that, at least with the worship leader folks, then we're good. We've accomplished what we set out to do. And for the most part, we've settled for the presence. Now, as soon as I say that, there's a lot of presence mongers that would say, the presence is awesome. The presence is, we elevate the presence of the place where healing happens and God does all. And I'm totally with you. I'm a presence guy too. But for this group, if they settled for the presence, they would have never gone to the depths that we just went to this morning. Because they found out who they were, and they started moving forward in creativity in worship. So churches that don't have this deep of a worship, maybe it will, maybe it will be poor quality music or less technically good or it won't resonate emotionally with what we are or maybe they can't sing as well or at least all these other aspects that maybe are compromised but ultimately God still honors it right just like when my son had a Kleenex and he made a, a crayon picture of it of me and him and he gave it to me and I said oh look at this cool thing that my son made and it's not like the Monet down the road at the museum down the road of course not but the father, this is how he receives all of what we do on one level. But what we've missed largely in the body of Christ, and I think you guys are tapping into, is that at some point you grow up and mature and you make better quality pictures and you learn more techniques. And, and not so that you can show off, not so that you can show, hey, I'm this really cool artist, but because you're responding to the father's love and thus wanting to grow and give him a better and more deeper expression. That's the point of it. I posted on my Facebook this week of, hey, if I'm playing two instruments one, at once and I'm playing all this fancy music, is it because I'm showing off? It might be to some. But if it's truly in my heart a response to his love, wanting to grow and give him a deeper expression, then I think he's cool with that. In fact, I think he encourages that. So the disconnect is we feel his presence and his acceptance with the weaker offering 
and then potentially stop there. So part of what I want to say this morning is God is calling you to grow up. God is calling you to mature in what you are. This does not mean that you're in a bad place or that there's anything wrong with you now in this, in this area that I'm speaking about. But God is saying, I have way further depths for you to plumb. And I want you to go after them. And it's going to take some, some knowledge and it's going to take some skill and it's going to take some, some bell of it and some discipline perhaps. Now that last word is important. Because charismatics, we're pretty much not very disciplined folk as a general rule. It sounds like control, doesn't it? But when it's self-discipline that says, I'm not interested in ticking off these boxes of making myself acceptable to God, but I'm going to pursue difficult things in order to grow capacity in me for the Holy Spirit to use. Now it's a whole other thing. I think when I got saved, I was presented a certain picture of how God works by religion. And I think there's even some goodness in it. Okay. But as I've grown in the Lord, I'm starting to find a different paradigm. Like it was presented to me that in a sense, part of our purpose as Christians is to get to know Jesus and then duplicate ourselves. Go find somebody else, tell them about Jesus, or, get, or, or bring them to the church so they can find Jesus at the church. Those are wonderful, beautiful things. But to me, it was sort of like that's the point of being a Christian is to, is to help grow Christians in that, by numbers. As I've gone deeper in the Lord, I feel like I've, I'm discovering that it's less and less about the numbers and more, more about the, the quality of my own spirit and the growth and maturity that takes place in me. I don't think that there's a, that, that God's keeping score. In fact, I don't think God's keeping score about anything. It's not how many souls you saved. It's not how many hours you spent in worship or in prayer. But those things are really important and they're really cool. Jesus never told us to build the church. This is something I've discovered recently. So here's a few verses. He told us in Matthew 28 to make disciples. That sounds relational. That doesn't sound preachy. Little sidebar. I'm pretty sure the word preach has gotten messed up because the way that I look in it, I think looks like preachings for the streets, not for the body. Maybe we've messed that word up a little bit too, but I digress. So if he says make disciples in Matthew 28, so that's relational and to be his witnesses in Acts 1, 8, Hey, God is awesome. God is beautiful. And that he would build his church in Matthew 16. Suddenly there's a lot less responsibility on me to bring numbers into the kingdom. And to, and, and to grow and mature so that as I'm relationally making disciples or I'm expressively proclaiming his awesomeness, I'm coming from a deeper and deeper place as I grow up. If this church's worship right now at the level that it is that I'm in love with is not deeper next year, I say shame on you. You didn't pay attention when I was talking in a sense. No shame. I don't want to use that word shame. 
That was the, I don't want to erase that. If you aren't growing in what you're doing, I submit to you that you're dying and you're stagnating. And much of the body of Christ doesn't even realize that they are. So if these, these guys um, have found a bit of themselves, that's an important one. Y'all, y'all are into identity right now, right? They found a certain measure of their own identity, which has allowed them to go deeper in this thing. But th- th- then, then we have to look at the other side of the coin. That's you lot. Did I say that right? Is that British enough? That's you lot, right? Because there's a point when most, I, I don't think this is true of you, you people directly, but in the body of Christ, the average Christian is an immature worshiper. Okay? In the body of Christ, the average church person is an immature worshiper. So let me point out a couple of uh, points to you from, this, from the level of being a worship leader that might cause you to stir towards something. And then I'm going to release a word, and then we'll be done. How's that? Good? Can everybody smile at me? Well, that's much better. You were looking too British there for a minute. Oops. Sorry. I believe that uh, if you go to worship conferences and you read on worship books and you talk to worship thinkers and all the people that are in that lot, they will tell you that a big principle is that you're supposed to do familiar songs so that the people can be more easily enter in, entering in. And most of us go, yeah, I want to enter in. Can you do that song that I love? And there's nothing wrong with doing familiar songs. Nothing wrong with it. But many churches have made it either an idol or a program or even a rule that says if we, if we throw the congregation off by doing something odd, then we're, we're in the tall grass. I think there are churches that have gotten to the point where they're more interested in pleasing people than in pleasing God and growing people. And when a worship leader gives you everything that you think you need, he's not really growing you. He's only spoon-feeding your immaturity or your wounding. Okay? So when you consider this, maybe the worship leader's role is not to bring in the presence so much as to grow up the people in their worship so that they no longer need a worship leader. When someone no longer needs a worship leader, they're still going to gather corporately as the Bible commands us to because we need this. But now I don't care if it's a pipe organ or you have drums or it's a zither. I don't care if I know the song or not. I don't care if the melody's easy to grasp or not. I'm going to worship God with the fullness of my being when it's not very familiar. When I do this, does it seem aggressive? <laughs> or is this... <laughs> that was aggressive. That was beautiful. So I would submit to you the idea that if you need familiar songs to worship, that maybe some growth in your approach to worship should happen. And when you, and so, and then I've got a second concept I want to, I want to just throw out at you that's related to this, and then we'll stop. I have a certain different definition of worship that I don't think a, a lot of people have, that I've arrived at through my process with the Lord. I think of prayer and intercession as us talking up to God. So it's this sort of vertical north here, which that's pretty geo, uh, geo bigotry there, whatever the word is. I just realized because of that conversation we had, but I believe that prayer and intercession is us speaking up to God and God speaking down to us and through us is the prophetic. Prophetic. 
Everybody kind of know what I'm talking about there? But you know what worship is? It's those two things happening at the same time in conversation and in communion. It's God talking to us. It's us talking to God. And this conversation that takes place, sometimes I see is disconnected when the worship leader is performing a song over and over. And we are performing this act that our culture says is this is how we worship. And God is just saying, I'm lying on top of you right now, breathing your breath. And that's our worship. I heard it said recently, I can't remember who, who the quote was for, from, but it said that worship, if restricted to just the idea of music, is sort of like love restricted just to the idea of kissing. Because there's so much more. Right? There's so much more. Do I need to draw you a picture? Now, are you turning me down because I'm walking forward and you're worried about the, about the feedback? When I, oh, I thought you were. I thought you were. It's okay. So I would submit to you that if worship, and by my definition, is us talking to God in intercession or prayer, in a sense, and God speaking down to us and through us in the prophetic, and that communion of conversation happening at the same time, if that's the case, then I would submit to you further that in that conversation, I'm not just bringing a prayer of a certain topic. Or a certain bit. But he is seeing me bringing the fullness and totality of who I am. Warts and all. My failures and my triumphs. The, the, the woundings. The, the strongholds. My gifts and talents. The, the wisdom that I have attained. The wisdom that I haven't. He's taking all of who I am in that moment. And receiving that to himself. And in worship. Responding. By bringing the totality and fullness of who he is into the conversation. All of the fullness. All of the, the, the grandeur and the beauty and the father's heart and the love and the creative identity. And all of who he is, is coming into that conversation when we worship. Did that make sense a little bit? So I would submit to you further. That in the, the role of identity teaching that's coming forward. The more you understand who you are the deeper your worship becomes because now the conversation has that much more depth to it and resonance and can go a lot more places because worship is literally you bringing your fullness to the conversation of God. Does that make sense? So these guys are already there. I think you guys are already there to a degree. I wanted to just unpack a couple of ideas. So I am done now with what I'm prepared to teach. I usually go with questions. I'm a huge guy. Like I love to, everybody ask questions and we go down all kinds of tangents, but for the sake of time, I didn't open that door. So forgive me. Now, as I've been traveling, this is my last little bit. As I've been traveling this, a lot of times, um, my, my walk with the Lord is when I'm in bed and my wife's already asleep because she always goes to sleep earlier than me. And it's just me and him talking, and, and that's a, a big part of my life with him is in those moments. And this last Tuesday night, we were in Lancaster, I guess, and I was laying there, and I was, God, tonight was really good. That was just so cool. You're really cool. And, and I'm thinking ahead to the next day and the next day, and then I thought, yeah, and CCF on Sunday, and boom, I got this word. I, I've got to do something I've never done before, and if this crashes, I apologize. 
But I felt like he gave me a word, literally one word. And every time I tried to give it an interpretation of, oh, I think that might mean this, or I think that might mean this, I realized it was the analytical man making that, that uh, interpretation. My faith man never gave me one. So I'm going to do something a little weird because I'm, I, this is the only way I know how to do what I'm supposed to do. Is I'm going to release the word and then I'm going to ask the pastor or maybe two or three people that may feel like they have an interpretation to bring that forward. <laughs> and knowing that you guys know how to receive prophetic words, that it's not always right and that's okay. And we just judge and we eat the meat and spit out the bones. But I just, there's this one word that has been ringing in my head for five days as I've been preparing to meet with you guys. And the word is accelerate. Accelerate. I'll say maximum of three people. Do you have something about this? You had a response when I said it. Did you have something? We're being fed so much. We're being given so much in this body. But this is the time. This is the this is now to accelerate. And it's not by getting something else. It's by doing something with what we've already been given. You guys agree with that? You guys agree? That may be it right there. But if somebody else has something, I'm happy to share. What's your name? Um, I received something last week with the same from somebody with the same word, and just saying that 2016 is about receiving from God the things that we have longed for and yearned for, and where we thought it was going to be years and years of restoration, it's going to be so sudden, and it's going to be an accelerated time this year. I'm telling you, my analytical man had like 12 different versions of this. And I was like, no, that, I don't think that's God necessarily. Last one, please. Yeah, the Lord's been putting on my heart for some time now that worship, prayer, and intercession are the coals to the new fire for revival. And that is going to be a fire. It will heat up, and that will accelerate the train that's coming. So, Lord, I ask you to take anything that I've spoken or said this morning and curse it at the root and make it have no effect in the name of Jesus if it's not of you. Lord, I seal up these thoughts about worship and this word accelerate into the hearts of this church. I pray the seeds go deep, that they resonate as they grow, and that much fruit would come in your spirit from this. I bless this congregation in the name of Jesus. And I call forth new paradigms of ministry. I call forth new sounds and new songs. I call forth new, uh, even genres of painting and art and artistry. I call forth the, the fullness of the dance. I call forth a, a recognition of the artistry that's in each of us that would apply to our day-to-day life in business. I call forth artistry in business. I call forth artistry in science in this room in Jesus' name. I call forth artistry in ministry. 
in Jesus' name. I call forth artistry in education in Jesus' name. I call forth artistry in science in Jesus' name. I think I said that already. Lord, I, I ask you to bring forth the fullness of the creative potential that you have placed within each of us. In this church, in the DNA of what this church is about, let it, let it come forth, let it come full, and this year, Lord, let it accelerate into the fullness that you would have for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah. Amen. He brings that bowl with him because he always hopes people will give him guacamole. <laughs> I want to say something about the word accelerate. And then the worship team, you guys, come back up. But uh, something an old prophet said to me many, many years ago before I came here. He said that as things come towards the end, he was speaking about himself in this one case. It was Paul Cain way, 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 way back when. And he said, what it's taken me 30 years to grasp with my relationship with Jesus, it's going to take you three years. He said, you'll gain in three years what I gain in 30 years. And he said, as we draw closer to that, he said, many people, they don't understand, but he said, many of the elders will not recognize some of the anointings that younger people are carrying because he said, I'll do more in them, in some cases, in three months that I've done in like three years with somebody else. You've got to catch the spirit of that truth. There's an acceleration at the end, just before Christ comes, where it's just anybody who will open up their heart and say, here am I, O Lord, basically. He's just looking for availability. He will accelerate knowledge and wisdom and desire and intent to really seek the heart of God. He really, really will. Hallelujah. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 